0: Another episode of the Detox Podcast, a culture and conversation podcast where you can detox from the world around you, get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with Detox. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and on today's episode, I had the absolute pleasure of speaking to George Ann Irvine, or known to her friends as George. And I got to geek out by talking about the San Diego Zoo, talking about wildlife, talking about all kinds of things that I absolutely loved. She was on the show today to talk about her two most recent books, Teaching Tornero, the True Story of a Sloth Superstar, and Amazing Omeo, a Baby Koala's True Story of Survival, part of the Hope and Inspiration Collection. A little bit about Georgianne. San Diego native Georgiane Irvine has devoted her career to raising awareness about animals and wildlife conservation. She is the director of publishing for San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance where she has worked for 45 years as well as the author of nearly 30 children's books about wildlife. Her award-winning hope and inspiration collection features true stories about individual animals from the San Diego Zoo and San Diego Zoo Safari Park that have overcome challenges in their lives. These hardcover books are illustrated with photographs and include wildlife facts and conservation information. Her newest book, Teaching Tornero, The True Story of a Sloth Superstar, released on in May 2023. And Amazing Omeo will release in November 2023. It's a really great conversation. And I think if you are passionate about our environment and our planet and are passionate about raising the next generation of conservationists, you will really enjoy the conversation I had with Ann. But before we get there, I do want to let you know that today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Empire Toys. Nostalgia is something everyone loves, and Empire Toys in Keller, Texas is on Nostalgia Overload. With toys and action figures from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and today, Empire Toys is a one-stop shop for a trip down memory lane and a chance to reclaim what was once yours but likely sold at a garage sale. Check out Empire Toys on Facebook, Instagram, or at TheEmpireToys.com. And by Self Unbound, your quality of life physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually is a direct reflection of the level of abundant energy, ease, and connection your nervous system has to experience your life. At Self Unbound, your nervous system takes center stage as we help unbind your limited healing potential through network spinal care. Access the first steps to your Unbound journey by following us on Facebook, Instagram, or at selfunbound.com. Now, without further ado, my conversation with George is right up after this. Welcome back to the detox podcast with me at this time is a person I'm very excited to talk to and I'm gonna get into a couple reasons why here in a moment. Um, But Georgianne or George Irvine. Georgianne how are you doing today.
1: I am doing fantastic. It is a gorgeous day in San Diego. So how can I not feel fantastic.
0: Of course. It is. So I am a huge fan of the sun. It's probably because of my beaming personality. No, I jest. But but truly, <laughs> I love it. And the few times I've been to California, it has been uh, nothing but sort of picturesque, perfect weather. Um, so I can only imagine how wonderful it is uh, in San Diego today as, as we're recording this. Um, it is starting to get a little cooler down here in Texas. Uh, cooler, I use air quotes there, because it is still quite Quite hot. However, we've turned the corner. We're in September, so now it's starting to get downhill in a good way, and so the temperatures are going to start going. We had a beautiful rain uh, two days ago, which helped cool it off, and I think the temperatures are going to hopefully kind of stay at that sort of lower temp. Uh, but here I am. I was always told uh, that the moment you start diving too deep into the weather is the moment where you don't have much to say. So let's let's toss the weather aside, and Georgianne, I okay. want to I want to talk to you before we get started, we're going to talk about The Amazing Omeo. We're going to talk about Teaching Tornero. We're going to talk about the entire uh, wonderful book series, the Hope and Inspiration Collection. And I'm also going to uh, use the time to selfishly ask a couple questions from a uh, San Diego Zoo perspective uh, that I've always wanted to ask growing up. And I'll get into that why uh, in a moment uh, before we get into all of that. If you're new to the detox podcast here at the show, we do like to invite listeners to quote unquote detox from the world around them and kick back, relax, get a window into how other people live their lives. And I do like to start out every episode by asking my guest and Georgiana, will ask you, what are you currently detoxing from?
1: I was on a trip to Africa earlier this year um, in March and April, and I happened to shoot 10,000 photographs oh, wow. but all with my fancy camera and they all needed to be processed and color corrected Ten thousand photos is a lot and i finally finished color correcting all of them because you know i've got my day job and of the sure. family and everything um on sunday night so i am trying to take a break from color correcting and going through photos, even though it helped me relive the trip. It just was a lot of work. So that is my detox for this week.
0: I, I, so I can't relate to going to Africa and taking 10,000 photos and spending time color correcting. But what I can relate to is sort of the, the balancing of taking an incredible trip, uh, taking a ton of photos for memories and then wanting to make sure that things are backed up and things are saved and there's a good representation of the trip and I find that occasionally I'll get sucked into sort of over editing or over adjusting certain things when really all I want to do in the moment is appreciate the beauty of nature that is right in front of me and it it can be a, diff- a difficult balancing I want to ask you how do you sort of navigate? Um, the balancing act of capturing the photos and appreciating the the nature in front of you.
1: I have traveled a lot in my career. I've been to Africa many times and Borneo and you name it. I haven't been everywhere. And I have learned over time how to balance that. And one of the things that I do is I do have a nice, you know, camera, but I just put it on program. I do not Mm. fiddle with the settings. I have friends who get obsessed with fiddling with those settings and you mo- you lose what's happening. So by putting it on program, I can shoot and put it down and not worry yeah. whether it's great or not. And usually it turns out okay, But but I've learned over time how to balance that because it's really important for me to enjoy everything that's happening around me as well and there have been times where i haven't necessarily taken all of the photos that i normally would have had but i didn't want to miss what was happening we had um a trio of lionesses go after a family of warthogs right before our eyes and i i all of us were stunned i had seen animals that are being eaten after they've you know been hunted but I've never seen it happen right before my eyes so that was a situation I took some photos other people took video but I just wanted to watch and absorb what was happening so I have just learned to do it but but as a photographer I just my trick is putting it on the camera on program and not fiddling with settings at all
0: that's a it's a good lesson too in that instance because to your point I think you can't of course, there's always something that can be done to tweak or adjust or get things even just a little bit better. But it, but to your point also, but then you get sucked into the settings and you're not paying attention to what's in front of you. And I find it's almost like... Um, Oh, sometimes you go to a sporting event and you find yourself watching the jumbotron instead of watching the game that's literally right in front of you. It's one thing if you're in the, you know, the way way back, but if you're pretty close to it and you're just sitting back watching the TV, it's like, well, wait a minute, why am I even here? If, if, I, if this is all I'm gonna do, so I I, uh, I can appreciate that. That's good. That's a good advice. So if you've got a camera and you're going traveling, set it on a program, take the photo, set it down, and appreciate what's in front of you. Well. Let and me, can I just say the yeah. only other
1: thing is that cell phones are good for some things as well. That's I true. used to haul my big camera to dinners and things, and I have learned, you know what, there's too much pressure. You can't enjoy it. So sometimes I will also use my cell phone.
0: That's good. I like it a lot. Well, let's shift and and start talking about. I want to ask you a bit about uh, your background with the San Diego Zoo, um, and I want to ask. How did you start your career with uh, working for the San Diego Zoo? What did that look like for you sort of in the very beginning?
1: I was born and I grew up in San Diego and I've always loved the zoo, but then I had what I call my ten-year leave of absence in Anaheim, but I came back down here for college and I studied journalism and I've always been a storyteller all my life. So when I graduated from college, a job as a public relations assistant came up at the San Diego Zoo. And I'll never forget, I applied for it. They gave me facts. I had to write a press release. I remember they asked, they gave me a list of spelling words. And I I actually got up and left the room and went to the person. I said, um, excuse me, you you've given me a spelling test but I would use a dictionary. And she smiled and said, that's all we wanted to know. I made it to the top two candidates and I did not get the job Mm -hmm. as a public relations assistant. But six months later, the person they hired decided to leave and they called me back. And the rest is history. And I confided in my boss at the time that I wanted to write children's books someday, like my grandmother did. Hers Mm -hmm. were self-published, but I wanted to do that. And one of my jobs was editor and writer of our Koala Club news, which was our monthly newsletter back in the day when you had paper newsletters and probably about two years into my career, a publishing house came to the zoo and said, we would like to create a series of books using your photos. And to my boss, they said, do you know someone who might like to write them? And so she suggested me. And then the next thing you know, I have a—I have to write six children's books that I've never even written one. Wow. And it's like, oh, my gosh. But I remember writing the first manuscript very short. These were the first graders calling my editor in Wisconsin, reading it on the phone. And she said, that's exactly what we're looking for. And that gave me the confidence to write that. So I've written a lot of children's books on the side. And in my PR job back in the day, I um, I would go with, we had a goodwill ambassador named Joan Embry, uh, a blonde woman who you may have seen on a lot of the talk shows. And I would go with her to all the talk shows, including The Tonight Show when Johnny Carson was on the show. So I did a lot of exciting things like that. I was a media spokesperson. I worked with film crews. I handled crisis situations. Um, and I loved my job at the zoo. And so A lot of people leave their job after five years, but I wasn't tired of it. And I spent 22 and a half years in public relations and marketing. And then I became the communications manager in our fundraising department. So I worked with a team of writers to create all the fundraising materials um, that we use from videos and brochures and all kinds of things to raise $60 million a year. And then finally, our CEO, in late 2016 decided he wanted to create a book publishing division and book, book sales were starting to increase again. I mean, when you really think about it and I'm not sure how you are with your kids, Joe, but a lot of parents are tired of their kids being on devices. right? So they're actually hungry to purchase children's books. Right. So we started San Diego Zoo Wild Alive sending us to wild alliance press and I specialize in nonfiction books and came up with the concept of the hope and inspiration collection that's it in a nutshell
0: that's incredible just all, all like it I love the wanting to to tell stories getting your foot in the door with the zoo and sort of expressing, this is what I want to do. This is what I've always wanted to do. Then the opportunity arises. You're right there. They're able to connect you. And then just the rapid, the rapid progression of everything. I, I I have to say, so this is one of the, the personal notes that I have before we start talking about the book specifically, I grew up sort of always wanting and to this day, I'm recording this in September of 2023 to this day, this has still not happened. I always wanted to go to the San Diego Zoo because when I was a kid, there was a, uh, a, a CD-ROM, yes children, a CD-ROM that I had on my Windows 9, oh, I don't even think it was 95, I think it was Windows 93. It was the San Diego Zoo presents the animals, a true multimedia experience. I had to look this up because I did not remember the title, but it was just a complete, almost like living, I think somebody described it as like a like a live Coffee table book, right where you can navigate around mm-hmm. the zoo, get the facts, watch some videos, hear some some audio from from different people that worked there, and I just I would spend hours learning everything I could about every single animal that was at the San Diego Zoo, and I I lived near the the Fort Worth Zoo, which a couple of years ago was voted the best zoo in in America, right? And so mm-hmm. it's, it's not that I was starved for the opportunity, but it was I just had this draw and this fascination, and so to to kind of hear your story of getting to work there. I just wanted—I did want to even just ask, sort of, what were what was maybe uh, from my perspective one of the most um, maybe unique memories you've had uh, in, with with the animals working at the San Diego Zoo.
1: I've had many, but first, I'd like to say the reason I like to tell these stories is the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance is a conservation organization with our two front doors: the San Diego Zoo and Safari Park. And because animals are disappearing around the world, it's really important to get our messaging out. So I am like the storyteller for our wildlife care team and our veterinary team and our conservation team. And that's why I've stayed so long because it's very important to me to share all of those stories. Probably though, one of the most memorable experiences was when our first giant pandas visited in 1987 and 1988. And it was a short-term loan for 200 days. And the wildlife care team came with those pandas and they were young girls from China who didn't speak English and I didn't speak Chinese, but I was asked to work with them. And we became very, very good friends. And I learned so much about the pandas. The zoo attendance rose 100% by people coming to see the pandas. It was literally pandemonium. (laughs) The news crews that were there, the other stories that were written about the pandas. It was truly one of my most exciting PR experiences in my entire career. So we're talking 87, 88. And I visited them in China. They invited me and I said, do you really mean it? Because if you invite me, I will come and visit you. So I visited them in 1991. Wow. I visited them in 2019. And now one of the young ladies who now does speak English lives in the United States. And I see her when she's in New York. So it has grown from then and it has continued. So I would have to say that that Panda visit on so many levels was a very memorable part of my zoo career. And I remember taking the girls to Disneyland for the first time and they wore their zoo name tags and they were actually kind of like celebrities because they had been seen on television so many times.
0: That's awesome. It was
1: was really fun. They came to my family's house for Christmas. It was just, it was really fun.
0: I love that. I also liked what you talked about when you were talking about the reason you've stayed for so long is to content because the work is so important and especially raising awareness and educating people. I have uh, two children and my oldest child, she um, has been uh, doing summer camps and, and other enrichment classes at a, at a nature preserve that we have near our house. And so it is something where she has been always passionate about, about different animals and learning as much as we can about the environment to help, uh, uh, preserve it and and learn how we can um, take care of the animals and, and help create a better environment. And um, uh, she actually uh, took an insect class and her instructor uh, said, you can take home some walking sticks. Would you like some? And so now uh, upstairs, uh, we have two walking sticks um, that we feed lettuce every day and spritz with water. And it is wild. I never thought I would be a bug owner, uh, using the air quotes there, right? But, it's, but I'm trying to help cultivate this environment where the next generation is passionate about the planet and the animals, and is able to read books, right, like Amazing Omeo and Teaching Tornero and learn about uh, different animals and, and be able to help uh, continue to educate and, and grow the next generation of, of um, conservationists.
1: Well, thank you for what you are doing. I like to tell kids it's really important to learn about the wildlife that lives in their neighborhood as well. I mean, I love pandas, I love elephants, but I also am fascinated by coyotes and rattlesnakes and opossums, and those are some of the animals that live in my neighborhood, and hawks. So I love that you are really giving her that opportunity to learn about the animals and the insects and things in your neighborhood, because it really does start at home and it does instill an appreciation for nature in their hearts.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what's going to end up helping us uh, from one generation to another on and on. Um, Now, let's shift and let's talk about the Hope and Inspiration Collection. So uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Teaching Tornero, The True Story of a Sloth Superstar. It came out uh, at the end of May, so around May 23rd. So it's been out for a couple of months now. Tell us about sort of the inspiration and the background for writing this story about Tornero.
1: So the Hope and Inspiration Collection, first I think I need to give sure. you that background. It's a collection of books and Tornero is number seven that features stories about real animals that have lived at the zoo or safari park. Many of them have overcome challenges in their lives. And the books are illustrated with photos. And we really have to spend, there there are a lot of great stories that could be a book, but if you don't have the photos, you don't have the book. So I, I keep my ears and eyes open on animal situations that might be a good book, I work with the wildlife care team, and then we start documenting that animal with Mm -hmm. photos. We have a zoo photographer. I shoot photos. I use their cell phone photos. I loan them cameras. That is the key, is having photos every step of the way. So the earlier books, as I mentioned, were about many animals who had overcome challenges in their lives. Karen the orangutan had a hole in her heart. And she had open heart surgery and then developed a lung infection, but she made it through. Um, We had a dog who had cancer. We had a flamingo who had to have surgery on his legs and he never gave up. So they're all inspirational stories. But the key to the stories is this. If a child can identify with an individual animal Like Tornero the sloth or Omeo the koala, then they normally will love that animal. Then they learn to love the species. Then they learn to love animals in general and they learn to love conservation. I mean, I have a a colleague and she bonded with her niece because she read the Floyd Flamingo book. And the niece was like five years old. Every flamingo that little girl sees is Floyd. A man in Ireland wrote to me, and his three-year-old son calls every orangutan a Karenutan, as in Karen the orangutan. So when I get stories like that coming my way, I realize that we're heading in the right direction with all of these books. And they've won some national awards, too. And it's nice to win an award, but the meaningful... The awards are meaningful because it tells me there's a market out there for this type of book. So with Tornero, his mother, Zena the Sloth, is a wildlife ambassador. And a wildlife ambassador is like a teacher. It's an animal that works with a wildlife care team, animal trainers, animal behaviorists, and it's conditioned to uh, to be a part of presentations at the zoo on our animal wildlife presentation stages. And you're able to observe natural behaviors of our animal ambassadors, our wildlife ambassadors. So, Zena had a baby. Now, the father, by the way, is Brad Pitt. We didn't name him, but it's because he has long golden locks and he's very handsome. So, he really is. He was named by another zoo, but his name is Brad Pitt after the actor. I actually sent Brad a book and a plush. Uh, sloth, and I invited him to the zoo, but I haven't heard back, that's okay. Um, So anyway, there's something called the Species Survival Plan, and they're kind of like a dating service in zoos. You've got a coordinator, like this two-toed sloth coordinator, and they match this animal with that animal. So our curator thought, what if our wildlife ambassadors could also be a part of the Species Survival Plan? So that is when they brought Brad Pitt in because they were paired together, the right DNA, and Cora had a baby. So when she had the baby, the whole idea was that she would raise her baby while also being a wildlife ambassador and gradually teaching the baby to become an ambassador as well. So I met with a wildlife care team, and I, I shared the hope and inspiration stories with them, and I said, what do you think? do you think we can do a book on um, Zena and her baby? I mean, it because the key is we need to photograph them. We need to do right. it gradually. And I usually, I follow these animals sometimes for a year and a half to two years. Wow. Um, and, and I don't even know when I'm following them, whether it will become a book because I don't sure. know how the story's going, going to end. But in this case with Tornero, Zena was an excellent mother. But she also needed a little time away from Tornero. So as he got older, she was very happy to have him do presentations on his own. And then they would bring him back and they would call her name and she'd slowly come down and put him back on her her chest. So he rides around on her chest. But an interesting thing about baby sloths, they only nurse until they're about a month old. Oh, when wow. they are 10 days old, they start eating solid fruit uh, solid foods. They eat vegetables and, and some fruits. So when they're 10 days old, the mother might be eating a piece of broccoli and some food drops on her chest. So the baby starts eating it. But by the time the baby is a month old, it is weaned from the mother and it's only eating solid foods. Wow. So teaching Tornero is the is the story about literally teaching him to become a wildlife ambassador so he himself can be a teacher to teach children and adults about the importance of saving our rainforest habitats in Central and South America. So the book shows the gradual process of, of how he learned to become a superstar, <laughs> a slot superstar, wildlife ambassador, teacher of children.
0: One of the things that you said it resonates with me so strongly you talk about uh I think it was a it was a moment ago when you were talking about the the hope and inspiration collection as a whole, but you talked about getting a child to identify with the particular animal in this case tornero right um then they get then now now they're down the sloth hole right not the rabbit hole right the sloth hole they want to know everything there is to know yeah. about species. And then and on and on and on, and the goal is that that scales to another animal and another, and then they learn more. And I do find that when we have stories um, where they're about, uh, in, so in this case, stories which are nonfiction in nature and are about a particular animal, the hook is um, the relatability factor. Oh, I as a child, I can remember when I was younger and I was struggling and I was starting to do these things, right? And I remember, you know, uh, uh, I didn't eat this kind of food and now I'm eating this food and now I'm growing. And and look, Tornero's growing and Tornero's able to do this and I can do these things and, and I can go to school and I can learn like all the things, right? And so that's where... It, it's so it resonates is the the related and of course the scales to the other books as well um what has been uh, now that the book has been out for a little bit what have been some of the 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 feedback or the positive responses that you've gotten uh, from folks who have read the book
1: people love sloths but most people do not know an individual sloth sure so I have gotten letters. Of, Tornero has all kinds of fans. And I've also been told by our wildlife care team that when some people meet Tornero and our other sloths, when they see them semi-close, they burst into tears because they love sloths so much and they're getting to know a sloth. So that really was beyond my wildest imagination. So his story has been very well-received and. People come to the zoo and kids want to see Tornero. Where can we see him? Where can we meet his mother, Zena? So it really has generated additional interest in Tornero and Slaws. One of the things these books have done, especially with the animals that have overcome challenges that I did not expect, is that they have taught the kids some life lessons. Mm. And my niece teaches second grade, and she has the books for her, all of her students. And sometimes when the students come, they might have an issue at home, and they talk through the animal in the story. Mm. In, in our Don the Taper book, um, the baby Taper is bullied by the llamas and the guanacos. They kick at him and they spit at him. Mm. But he doesn't care because he always he already has bristle the capybara as his friend, and so kids who are being bullied have talked to their teachers saying, "Hey, Don didn't care. He was bullied. He didn't. It didn't matter to him. I don't care either." Yeah. And that has happened with our flamingo book. I got a letter from a school in England where they had a an entire week teaching kids about resilience. And never giving up, using the Floyd Flamingo book as the teaching tool.
0: Oh, that's and awesome! And
1: I got a letter from the teachers, and I I received fifty five individual handwritten letters from the children oh, talking wow. about how that book taught them to never give up in life. Mm. So our books, I've gotten letters from parents whose children either have had open heart surgery Mm. or are going to have open heart surgery and they've used karen as a teaching tool but the whole title of karen is karen's heart the true story of a brave baby orangutan kids will read that book and they'll say hey i'm having open heart surgery if karen can do it i can do it too so the books have actually not only instilled a sense of loving the individual animals and the species and the children. But they also helped the children with their own life lessons and communicating. And and when I started to get letters about that, it had never occurred to me that that would happen. And that made it all the better, all the more important. And um, that is why Omeo's Amazing Omeo is about a baby koala. And that book will not be out until November. But it's about a baby koala who was in his mother's pouch and they stay in the pouch up to six months. And then they gradually, you know, start coming out. You see a hand, you see a leg, but they're with their mom, you know, for 10 months. But his mother passed away from an illness Hmm. when he was only five months old in the pouch. So we took him out of the pouch And a baby without its mother care that young almost never survives. And we reached out to colleagues in Australia and this baby koala had this will to live. And he immediately got pneumonia because of his immune system wasn't built up. We thought, okay, that's it. Um, And he made it through and he had all of these ups and downs. And I literally followed that koala for two years until the veterinarian finally said okay george he's out of the woods you can finally write a book about him but even when he kept having his ups and downs i remember finally changing my vocabulary because i didn't want to jinx it so i started saying if we write a book about omeo Mm. if we do this because i really i honestly didn't know how it was going to turn out in the end. But at two years old, finally out of the woods, finally learning to eat eucalyptus and weighing what he should. So that's another story about never giving up.
0: Yes. You know, there I, the book about Omeo as well. I mean, you just mentioned several things that I know so many people will be able to relate to. I was just, I mean, personally, uh, checking in with a friend of mine from college who just had a baby at 33 weeks, and she just got they just got out of the NICU uh, this week, and it was one of those things where. Um, it was real touch and go. It was, I don't know what's going to happen. And this, this sickness and this, and we're struggling to try and, and th- but the baby had this, this will to live. Right. And so this, this, uh, incredible, uh, strength, uh, that the baby had. And so I just think, of, I think of that story cause it's most recent, but so many other similar stories of, of families that can relate to the story of Omeo. And then as they're talking to their child, who's now grown up and is no longer little, right. They can talk about, look, The story of Omeo persevering is mirroring the story that we had with you, and it's just so, there's so many relatable aspects. Plus, I mean, who doesn't love koala bears, right? I mean, come on, everybody loves koala bears.
1: Koala marsupials, they're marsupials. Yes, yes,
0: that's right, right. (laughs)
1: But but people love koalas, they're a very popular animal, and um, there was even an evening when Dr. Cora, our veterinarian, Dr. Cora Singleton, she's amazing, thought he wouldn't make it through the night, Mm -hmm. and the next morning, he was awake and vibrant so so i do think there's I, I think resilience a will to live and i do think there is a lot of messaging in that particular book that will be very very helpful and you're right for families who have preemie babies yeah um because he was he really needed to stay with his mother totally in the pouch for another 6 months and then he needed to stay with her um to learn to eat eucalyptus, et cetera, until he was at least 10 or 11 months old.
0: Right. I I just love these books. I want to, I want to, one of the things that I think is really great is that at the end of the books, you have um, takeaways. You have things that kids can, kids and families and adults, everybody can do to help wildlife. What, um, what was sort of the, the thought process behind putting those at the end of each of the books and then sort of tailoring them, um, for the reader of that particular book?
1: In our books, we don't waste any space. (laughs) You know, and you've got books that are in paper. So we have the footprints and paw prints and information in the back of those books. But I will say the original three books did not have that information Mm. in the back of the books, but we thought, what can we do to make these books better? And actually our chief operating officer who loves these books came to me and he said, George. I have an idea. Why don't we put information in the back of the books on what children could do simple things right. to protect wildlife and make a difference? So I worked with our education um, department and our conservation department and came up with a list of 10 things, quite a variety of things to do. And I mean, recycling is included in right. it um, that we now include in, every one of our books. And when we reprinted the original books, we added that as well. But one of the things I mentioned earlier, it's really important for kids to get to know the wildlife in their own backyard and to appreciate it and to learn about it and to create like a wildlife habitat by planting native bushes. And I have hummingbird feeders in my yard and I love it and it's so simple to do Um, Even for kids who might live in a city, there are still birds in the city. It's a little more challenging than kids who maybe live in the suburbs. But there are things you can do to learn about your local wildlife and um, really do what you can to protect it and preserve it. Um, Another thing that's really important, especially, well, all over the place, we advocate, like San Diego has a lot of canyons. And we advocate to people to keep your cats indoors for their safety. Yeah, because we have coyotes that roam the neighborhoods that are surrounded by canyons. But in addition, by keeping the cat indoors, you're keeping your pet safe. But then the cat is also not eating all of the native lizards and birds. Mm. Um, yeah. So because they they do that, they're natural hunters, and I get that but you don't want your cat to get injured or hit by a car or eaten by a coyote. But by keeping them in, like I said, it also helps the native wildlife in your neighborhood. And I think a lot of people don't, they don't realize that and yeah. that they can make a huge difference by that. Um, you know, a reusable water bottle is important and even learning about climate change and talking about it. Right. Because, if, you know, we yeah. know it's here and things are changing. And I think making a book about with photos of your native wildlife or making a, a picture book of your favorite African animal, all of those types of things really engage children and get, their more, get them more involved in learning efforts and um, conservation efforts. We have a couple of websites and a child would need their parents' permission, but sure. one is called wildwatchkenya.org. And what it is, we work with partners in Africa in a certain area, and we have what are called trail cameras. And, and so people off, used to call them camera traps, but we call them trail cameras. So they continuously shoot photos of a certain area, if their animals are there, if their animals are there. But if you go on Wildlife Kenya, you can go and you can review the photos and You can keep a log of, for example, this photo, I see two giraffes and they are eating and you check boxes. The next photo, I don't see any animals. Oh, this photo, there's a watering hole and a hyena came up. to. So you can actually help our team log what animals we are seeing in the photos taken by the trail cameras. And I think it's really fun. And sometimes you don't see anything, but sometimes... You see amazing things in the photos. And we have a guide that shows you what the animal is that you're looking at. I mean, most kids know what a giraffe is, but they may not know what a clip springer is. Right. So that is something that I think is really fun. And it's a great opportunity um, to learn about some of the things that scientists do. Yeah. And I think it's fun. So I, I do it myself every once in a while. And they're literally helping our team of conservationists when they do that
0: i love that what was that website again it was uh,
1: wild was it's it wild that's right and we like to say that the children are becoming citizen scientists like and we it. also have a burrowing owl um website too where you burrowing oh. owls are native to california and that is called wild watch burrowing owl and they can do something similar with that website
0: i will definitely be checking well i'll be checking both of these out definitely that one uh we went and visited a friend on marco's island last year and saw quite a few burrowing owls that were uh protected and we walked by and saw them poke their little heads up and then burrow into the ground (laughs) i I love
1: the burrowing owls and we actually I I wanted to do a hope and inspiration book on a burrowing owl one that we hatch and release in the wild the challenge is it's almost impossible to photograph them sure because they're in burrows and all. So I talked to our scientists, I talked to our photographer. They said, George, we know it would be a really good book, but this is one that would be literally impossible to do. <laughs> so it's fair. still on my wish list. Maybe right. someday Maybe. there'll be a way to do it. But burrowing owls are fascinating. And Tending um, Us a Wildlife Alliance says conservation overseas, but also in our own backyard, which is really, really important.
0: That's awesome. Well, I there's a lot of advice and a lot of perspectives on... Uh, what folks can do to get themselves and their kids more educated, more aware uh, of the world around them, and even directly in their backyard. And we talked about the Hope and Collection books. Um, we talked about uh, the ways in which you can continue to help uh, your environment. And I wanna, I wanna ask you. Um, before before we shift to the final segment of the show what is maybe one piece of advice you would give someone just to to, to just get started uh, day day 1 oh, that
1: that's that's a really good question it depends on how old they are sure i mean really when children visit their local zoos so, I, so San Diego Zoo, we want you to visit our zoo, we want you to visit our safari park, but it's really important that children support the zoos in their own community. And I think if the parents can take their children to see animals um, at a very young age, that is what I would advise. I mean, start young. And I also, for kids, we have summer camp at our zoo for all grades. So look into your community and see if there are summer camps It might be the zoo. It might just be a nature camp, but really immersing yourself in nature is the best way to start, whether it's at a zoo, whether it's going for a walk in a park. I think that's what I would say, being immersed in nature and, and getting away from the computer and the television and, and getting outside it, it really warms your heart and it's healthy as well.
0: I agree. Well, Teaching Tornero, folks can go purchase that book now. We'll put links in the show notes, and then Amazing Omio. Uh, I believe they can pre-order it now. If not, uh, by the time they're listening to this in a month or so, they should be able to. We'll put those links in there as well. Um, this has been incredible. We're going to shift to the final segment of the show, things to check out. It's a segment where I, uh, beyond Amazing Omio and Teaching Tornero, which I would have hoped see a little little play there because of the hope and uh, the hope and inspiration collection Um, would have hoped they would have bought multiple copies of of multiple books so beyond those books which i'm sure people have paused and and purchased those books by now um, a recommendation of something for folks to read watch and or listen to uh, and i i I will go first and i'll invite my guest to to share any recommendations you have Um, but from a uh, listening perspective uh, my kids and I have really been enjoying, uh, ever since the Arthur TV show, uh, went off the air, uh, the Arthur podcast started up, uh, that PBS Kids puts out. And so we've been enjoying, uh, continuing the adventures of Arthur the Aardvark, um, and former guest of the show, Mark Brown, and the wonderful creation that he did. Um, so we've been enjoying that. So I would say check out that, uh, to listen to, um, to watch, uh, Georgian, you and I were talking about this a little bit jokingly ahead of time uh, before we started recording, but Zootopia, uh, especially with the wonderful scene with the Sloths working the DMV, I think he might have been to a DMV, feels like it's run by Sloths, so that's very uh, applicable, um, but you can check that out, there's many places to watch it, one of which is Disney Plus, and then from a reading perspective, I'm going to pause for a moment and just say the the San Diego Zoo CD-ROM, uh, yes, there's that word again, right? CD-ROM, had such a profound impact on me growing up that not only did that spark my love of learning about animals? I also collected this thing. Uh, Some people had zoo books, which I think those still exist in some capacity, so you can Mm -hmm. go check those out. I had the wildlife fact file, I don't know if that, that's a throwback reference. I don't know if anybody remembers that the big, yeah, the three ring binders. And so every month I would get new entries and I had all three uh, binders full and I would just, it's purely what it said. It was just facts about animals. And I learned about so many animals through that, that I loved. And then uh, as I got older, I read little book series called Animorphs uh, because I enjoyed science fiction, and it blended my love of animals and science fiction into a wonderful series uh, by K. A. Applegate, who's gone on to write some tremendous conservation books as well. But uh, but yes, so so I, you could say I've always been enjoying animals in some in some form or fashion. And I'm happy that my daughter is as uh, and my son, of course, but definitely my daughter currently has continued that love, and even more so to where we have uh, walking sticks uh, in our home. So, uh, Georgian, what is something that uh, you would give the listeners to either read watch and or listen to
1: i well there is a there's a show on television called the zoo and there's the zoo san diego and we're not taping the segments anymore but there are two seasons of the zoo san diego that i really think people would enjoy any nature shows i mean there are always new shows on and i just can't get enough of them whether it's a show that with you know older shows with jack hanna or nat mm. geo specials yes. or, or disney plus specials i mean any thing that has animals in it i love and then as far as books we also publish um illustrated books for younger children with their their fictional stories. So I encourage families to look at our illustrated books as well. But there are other books out there. I mean, I love Nat Geo books. There's a wonderful book about Fiona the hippo. The L.A. Zoo just put out a, a colleague of mine wrote a similar book to Hope and Inspiration about gorillas. So any wildlife type book. And then for older readers, anything by Jane Goodall. She's a very dear friend of mine, and she is absolutely one of my inspirations. And any books by Jane Goodall, um, I think people will be inspired by her. And she is in her late 80s now, and she is still going strong and traveling the world and and giving people hope. I mean, hope is her mantra as well. So anything by Jane Goodall, I absolutely would recommend.
0: Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Great recommendations as always here on the detox podcast. So Georgianne, uh, if people want to follow you and uh, see what you're up to, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: I am on Instagram. It's G Irvine 55. And my, Facebook page is more my personal Facebook page. However, the San Diego Zoo has amazing accounts on Facebook and Twitter and TikTok. And so if you want to see amazing videos and photos of animals overall from our San Diego Zoo and Safari Park, they can can take a look at that as well.
0: Uh, Georgian, thank you so much for coming on the show today. You have uh, reignited the spark of a sort of young Joe who uh, had this dream of being a zoologist at one point in time um, from all of my different uh, fact files and CD-ROMs and sci-fi books and all kinds of stuff. So I appreciate it. These are wonderful books and I am eternally grateful that you took time uh, to share with us ways in which we can help grow the next generation of conservationists and help uh, make the planet a little bit better than we found it. Thank you so much.
1: Well, thank you for letting me share all of these stories. And please know, That you have an open invitation to visit the San Diego Zoo someday. So let me know. I'd love to show you around.
0: Will do. Well, listeners, you've been detoxing with detox. Now go and make a more inclusive world. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Detox Podcast, or visit DetoxPodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds, and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's v o k a l n o w.com.